Welcome to Grace Story Podcast. We're here to connect you with education, resources, and community that equip you for the journey of restoration. My name's Nate Davison, and I am your host here at Grace Story Podcast. Thank you for joining us on this episode one, where we're going to story again. We love the stories of grace. Obviously, it's in the title of the ministry. Uh, so going back to uh, hearing stories of God's grace intervening, uh, helping people on their journey of restoration. And for that, uh, we have Heather Durham on. Uh, she I actually went to school with uh, one of her kids back in the day. Um, and we've come full circle where she's joining us from Europe. She's over in Budapest. Before I bring her in, I want to tell you a little bit about her. Uh, Heather Durham earned her master's degree from Azusa Pacific University and has dedicated her life to Christian ministry as a missionary in Eastern Europe alongside her husband, Ed. Since 1994, they have served as missionaries in Ukraine, Hungary, and Slovakia. Currently, they are the regional directors for Europe for uh, Hope International Missions. Over the years, she has been involved in various ministries, including teaching at Kiev uh, Wesley Bible College, serving as a missionary pastor's wife, and ministering to orphans, at-risk women, and disadvantaged youth. Heather loves spending time with three with her three grandsons, Darren, Kyle, and Zane, and she is here on Grace Story Podcast with us all the way from Budapest. Uh, Heather, welcome to the show. Thank you. It's good to be with you, Nate. You know, we had, uh, there is a connection here too. My my sister, Amber, who's the founder of Grace Story Ministries, has been over there um, and has a connection with uh, what they do with the cattle on their farm with the organization that some of the organizations that you've been a part of, right. what, what is the, the connection there with, uh, with Amber? Okay. So Darren and Amber have been over here and they fell in love with our ministry that we have to at risk young women. Uh, the transition home we started in Slovakia is for orphan girls at the, critical time when they have to leave the orphanage. And so then they find themselves with nowhere to go, no one who cares, and they're very vulnerable right then. And so anyway, Darren and Amber uh, came up with this idea that they could raise some cattle on their farm and through that help support this ministry in Slovakia. And so that's what they do. And we really appreciate all that they do for us, their moral support, as well as their financial help for the ministry. Well, I know in talking to her, she, uh, Amber, we're talking about here, went over there and, and a piece of her heart seems to still be over there. And it seems like with that, a part of what you're doing is some prevention of human trafficking uh, sure. that, that could happen after these girls leave the home. Is that part of it? Yes, actually, that was the you would say the impetus for us to start this home for girls. Ed and I became aware that human trafficking was so such a difficult thing that we were dealing with everywhere we turned here in Eastern Europe. Uh, Hungary actually has one of the highest rates of human trafficking across Europe. And so we were like, what, what can we do? You know, we didn't feel like some of the things that other people did were the things that we wanted to do, but we came to this this realization that 
God was putting it on our hearts to prevent it. Some people go out there and they start rescuing people from human trafficking. And that's wonderful if people do that. We didn't think that was what God was asking us to do. And we really felt like prevention was where he was placing us. And so that's what we're trying to do. Wow. And, and so needed. It's uh, as some say that the, the modern version of slavery um, and just so rampant, even in the United States, um, we had Sherry Rickenbach talking about some of what she's doing to help with that as well. Um, so first of all, thank you for what you're doing with that. Um, but you, you've come on to share some of your journey, your story, um, and you have a book written about that. But let's go all the way back to the, the what, what prompted you to write the book. And it's, it's a tragic story, um, but wherever you want to start on Jeanette, uh, a story of an accident, a tragedy, where does that begin? Okay, it's kind of hard to know where to begin, but uh, maybe I'll just go back to the the day that basically our lives changed forever. We were missionaries in Ukraine at the time. Uh, we had two girls. Jeanette was our oldest. Alicia is two years younger. And Jeanette was 11. Alicia was nine at this day in 1996, February of 1996. And so the girls came home from school. They were all excited. They they were going to go over to their uh, teacher's house for a party that night. It was around Valentine's Day, and, and the teacher had invited all the girls over for a sleepover. And but she had said she didn't she couldn't do it right after school. She needed a little time to get ready for them. And so they wanted to go sledding on a hill right beside the school. The school was about an, a mile from our house, probably. And so they asked Ed if he could take them back down there and they would go sledding and then they would go directly to their teacher's house. She just lived uh, just really close by there. And so he took them down and um, they had their friend Erica Adams with them. And so they, Jeanette, our oldest, she was fast. And so she and Erica, as soon as they arrived, they jumped out of the car and ran over to the hill. And Ed stood outside the car waiting for Alicia, who was a little slower. She was trying to get her uh, her snow gear on and everything. And so before Alicia even got out of the car, somebody came running and told Ed that Jeanette had been hurt. And so he ran over and he was thinking, oh, she's got a broken arm or a broken leg or you know, something like this. This is what was kind of running through his head. But when he found her, he found her, you know, in the middle of the street. There was just a little wee access street to some apartment buildings that were right there. So at the bottom of the hill, there was this little street. And the kids had actually, they had, there was a snowbank there. So all of the kids were stopping before they got to the street. But the Ukrainian kids had like, you know, runners on their sleds. And our kids had little plastic sleds that they that we had bought for them in Poland. And so they went faster and she didn't stop. She just went straight out into the road and she was hit by a truck. And we were told that she uh, was killed instantly. Although at the time, Ed, I think, was in denial and he thought maybe there was something that could be done. Uh, so eventually after everybody found a way to kind of deal with it uh they took her to the hospital but you know she was pronounced dead 
upon arrival at the hospital. And so that kind of set us on a journey of grief that, you know, that we never expected. So listening to you, I, I have two girls of my own, ages six and three, and one more on the way. And so my daddy heart goes out to Ed. Right. Um, because also as a registered nurse working in level one trauma centers, I understand exactly what he was looking at. Um, and I can't imagine looking at my own kiddo like that. It kind of, um, you know, yeah. I, I don't know. I, that, that see, you, you see the, my first question out of that is almost speechless, but also there seems like this part of me that is like, I can't always protect my kids. Was there a struggle there with, uh, realizing and understanding uh, in a very tragic, traumatic way, I can't always protect my kids. And how did you deal with that? Right. Right. Well, it is a image in Ed's mind that he says he will never be able to erase. And so he lives with that all the time. And I'm just thankful that I didn't have to see that at least. But he did struggle real a lot with this thing about protecting that it was his fault that it happened for one he drove them down there and then this happened so you know our mind has a way of irrational thoughts that come with grief and he felt like i didn't protect her and then when he we went back to the states and canada um he felt like he was responsible for the grief that our parents, their, you know, Jeanette's grandparents faced. And he felt like I didn't bring her back alive for them. And so he has struggled at least, you know, maybe not now, definitely not now, but in the beginning, he really did struggle with this whole idea of irrational thoughts, self blame that it was his fault. And it wasn't his fault. But our mind plays games with us in times where we're, you know, under certain kinds of stressors and experiencing grief. So, yes, he definitely has dealt with that. When he's going through that um, and, and he kind of blames himself, he, I, I never thought about that, too, about taking on some of the grief of others onto yourself. Um, how did that affect not only your relationship with him, but his relationship uh, with the surviving daughter, Alicia. So I think that self-blame is one of the most detrimental things that grief causes us to do because we get down in this hole that we can't seem to get out of. And so thankfully, in the early days after our tragedy, I started reading books. Somebody, a friend, sent some books to us and I just started reading, what can I do to help us? You know, here we are, we're like drowning in this, in this grief and we've got to, you know, be able to come out of this pit. And so I started reading and uh, it really, really helped me a lot to understand what he was going through and to be able to help him realize that it wasn't his fault. He wasn't to blame. It was an accident. And that, you know, I mean, he said, you know, if you say, well, I took her down there. Well, what father is going to say, no, you can't go sledding because you might kill, get killed. You know, I mean, we just don't say that. 
we want them to have fun, <laughs> you know. Mm. We and so I, I that I tried to help him realize that there was really no reason why he would not have taken her down there. What would the reason have been? And so I think that that's one of the things that you know God really helped us in those days to start dealing with some of the things that can get people bogged down and maybe sometimes they never get back up. And then with the relationship with Alicia, I think Ed and I really tried hard not to overprotect Alicia. You know, we we realized that probably through my reading again, I realized that the natural response is, oh, you know, you can't do that. No, 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 you might get hurt. In fact, early, quite early on, when we were still in Canada, right after we went back for Jeanette's funeral, I would say within, I mean, it was winter and Ed took Alicia sledding. You know, I think there's a certain amount of we have to continue. Um, it wasn't a place that had a road right at the bottom of the hill, but, you know, he he yeah. felt like he felt like I have to give her some normality of life without overprotecting because that's the natural response or denying her a life because something happened. And so I think we both tried really hard. We probably didn't succeed every time, but as hard as we, we did try to avoid just overprotecting her from every little thing. Well, that seems like it would take a great amount of strength, even it, it, scratch that it would be recent, um, let alone years from then, but even recent, uh, a lot of strength to go back to anything that would remind oneself of the tragic death of, of your kiddo. Um, and then you see your other kiddo up there, road or not, I, I, where where did he find that strength to just, do, is it just you were reading the book and he's like, yes, I trust everything <laughs> Heather is telling me about what's in this book. Or where did he find that strength? Because, you know, you'd mentioned this um, this phrase as we were preparing for the show, grief is not a sign of weakness and seeking help is often a sign of strength. Where Where was he seeking help? He didn't seek it like I did. So, and he didn't just, he didn't really, I didn't really tell him a whole lot about what I was reading. Um, as far as the strength to just move forward with Alicia and not overprotect her, I think he did better than I did as far as that right away, you know, trying to give her a normal life. Um, but he really sought strength from God, I think, more than, more than anything. And so he, and I think we got strength from the prayers of other people. I, I firmly believe that it was the prayers of God's people that just held us up and made it possible for us to just keep going. The importance of, of community. I, I, I love that. Um, the, the strength that comes from that, it is palpable and it's, uh, it's more than just thoughts and prayers. It's, it's a beautiful response of support. It, speaking of of that strength from God, I want to I want to dive into that and kind of park there for a second because I can I can myself think about I would possibly maybe because I'm just human be tempted to blame God um, for that because th- here's my beautiful kiddo and 
I need a reason for this. I don't want life to, I, I, all life is valuable. And then this one, this is my kiddo. So the value I attach to this is even more so. So I want a reason. I want there to be the value here. Um, what was the struggle there for you? If you, if you can walk us down that of maybe talking to God through this while receiving strength and support from him. Um, and then wrestling with why. Sure, I can I can definitely identify with what you're saying. So we, right after the accident, we had people who couldn't understand, and they voiced their um, their questioning to us, and they asked. They said, you know, you went as missionaries, and you were doing God's work, and 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 so why? And I think. We're human. We're always going to ask why. And we did ask why. I think um, I think I was more of the thoughtful, introspective kind of person. And Ed, Ed seemed to, even though he took the most grief immediately, he, he, he didn't process it as, as deeply, maybe, as I did. And so... I had a little bit of trouble with why. And uh, I finally came to the realization that I wasn't ever going to get an answer for that. That why was a question that God didn't mind me asking because we're human, I think, and it's okay to ask why. I think some people say, well, you should just never ask why. I don't think that's possible. I think we ask why because we're human and we don't understand God's plan. And so I think it's very normal to ask why. But I also think that if we're really depending and trusting in God, we're going to realize that his plan's bigger than ours. And we don't see what he sees. And so we'll ask why. He's not going to tell us why. Because we're not going to understand everything like his, like he understands the bigger picture, and so I just think that, um, yeah, we asked why, but we had to come to terms with just living with that question and not expecting an answer. Some people tried to give us answers, and they didn't satisfy. Some of them, you know, just just wasn't just didn't make sense. So I I want to ask you on on that. <laughs> What, what were some of those reasons people gave? Because well-intentioned, uh, we had talked with Ryan about uh, uh, the grief. There was a two-part episode. You can go back uh, and listen to that uh, if, if you have time going through. Um, listener, it'll be uh, what, what to do with grief, what do I do with grief, something along those lines. But when, when we talked about that, there were certain things that he, uh, he mentioned are not helpful to say to someone. Right who is grieving, they're, they're just not helpful. What were some of those reasons people were giving you uh, that, <laughs> that were supposed to be helpful? Yeah, well, one of them was God can trust you with this heavy burden. So God can, because you're living uh, such a committed life and you're so spiritual or whatever, then God can trust you. And I, to me, that just like fell really flat because, okay, so the opposite of that is maybe if I wasn't living so committed, then maybe this wouldn't have happened. <laughs> so so that was like, 
I don't, I don't think I, and I kind of came to the point where I said, well, Lord, if this is a test or if, you know, if, if you're trying to trust me with something, that's okay, but I'm not going to look at it like that because that just doesn't seem to work for, for me. And then another one that people said, well, you're taking the gospel into this country where there's been no God for so many years and, and you're in Satan's territory and he's fighting you. And I believe that was true. As I, I do believe that Satan fought us. We saw lots of situations where he felt like he, he fought us. And maybe this was a way that Satan was trying to hurt us and get us to leave. But then I looked around and I said, you know, we're with a team of seven or eight families. Those people didn't lose their children. So so that that didn't really work either. That wasn't a good reason for such a tragedy. Well, it sounds like in our humanity, we're trying to make sense of something that mm-hmm. that may actually just be senseless, tragic, and occurred. Right. But still doesn't mean that God doesn't care. I agree. I agree. I think in our humanity, that's why I say, I think it's okay to ask why, because we're human and and we can't understand and we try to in our little fragile minds we try to come up with well maybe it was this maybe you know and i even agree that i would possibly think well maybe she wasn't going to serve god when she grew up and maybe he took her so that you know so in our in our fragile little human minds i think we do try to make sense of something that just really doesn't make any sense to us. Well, I love, I love that you're, you're giving the listener as someone who's been through uh, what you've been through, um, giving them kind of a a permission or an okay nod of like, yeah, it's, it's okay to to ask God why. Uh, Cause, cause it's like, if, if I have an intimate relationship with the creator of the universe who knows everything and, and I have that access as his, his kiddo, um, someone who he loves so much, even more than I have the capacity myself to love my kids. Um, why would I not ask like, Hey, I'm hurting. Why? Uh, I know you could have prevented this. Why? Uh, cause he knows in, in uh, anyways. So why not be honest right. and have an authentic relationship with God? Right. I mean, I kind of felt like, well, God could have prevented this, you know, I mean, she, Ed could have taken an extra, five seconds pulling into the parking at the school. I mean, any small, there could have just been this very small hesitation somewhere that could have prevented it. And so you have to, you just have to come to terms with, I don't know why. With this, it seems like some may, may be of the mind like, Hey, I've, I've gone to therapy or I've processed or I've, I've read this and I've been able to find peace um, and move past this. But you decided that one of your next steps would be to write a book, which is not a small step whatsoever. Why was it important for you to, to write an unexplained endurance? Just for the record, it, t- it wasn't a very, very soon step. It took me like 25 years before I ever started writing this book. <laughs> so... Um, but I think what happened over over a period of the last maybe three to five years, 
I started realizing that my grief really didn't totally go away. And I wanted to bring hope to people who were going through something that even though the road seems really long and hard, that God's grace was sufficient for that. And that we had proven that he was faithful and that he would give strength to us when we needed it. And so I just think that I came to the realization that I had learned some lessons that I wanted to share with people and hopefully help them in their journey. I love that. We could uh, be, we talk a lot about being one step ahead at, at Grace Story. Uh, Sue Bowles is one who mentioned that her whole coaching is is around that concept. Um, and, and we love that there of helping others behind you, even if you're just one step ahead. For, for you, as you are p- compiling these lessons and, and looking through them, what, what's maybe your favorite part of that book that you wrote? Hmm. I don't know. That's kind of a difficult one. Uh, I hadn't really thought of what part is my most difficult. I think what I've learned and what I would like to, what I wanted to share with people was that we need to avoid getting down in the pit of grief so and allowing ourselves to just stew down there and be bitter because yes, something bad happened, but I wanted to encourage them to come to a point where they could um, cherish the memories that that they had of their loved one uh, and think about positive things rather than always viewing everything as negative. Well, that seems like it would be so difficult. especially in, in the moment. Um, cause I, I, I feel like you just, it'd be so easy to get in the rabbit hole of, of grief and, and not come out. What take us into maybe that part of the book, a, a concept maybe that was helpful for you to avoid that rabbit hole, because it'd be so easy to go down as, as someone asking questions, not finding an answer, questioning uh, people may lose their faith. What was that, that that concept maybe within this realm that helped you avoid that? Well, I think forgiveness is probably the biggest thing that people fail to allow into their lives. They, they think that by punishing someone else that somehow they're, that this is what needs to be done or whatever. And I said, so I think when, uh, what, really helped Ed and I is, first of all, we decided right away, even though I I don't want to go into all of the details of what happened, but um, the police came to us and they wanted us to press charges, actually murder charges, on the guy who was driving the truck. Mm. And uh, there were reasons why, I mean, he was breaking the law, where he was and what he was doing. But we decided that that wasn't going to bring us peace, that it was just going to make it worse if we keep keep dealing, bringing this and dealing with it. And we were foreigners in a, you know, in a, a different country. 
And uh, I think we immediately, both of us immediately said, you know, we believe it was an accident. There were circumstances surrounding it that perhaps would have allowed us to breed unforgiveness towards this guy. But I think God's spirit is just so wonderful and he gives us power that we don't even understand sometimes to immediately forgive the guy for it. And, and I think that's what brings peace to our hearts is I think forgiveness is um, our conscious decision, you know, to surrender our desire to punish the offender. And that's, the thing about my book is I don't want it to just be for people who lost a child. I want it to be for anyone who has been offended or violated. You know, there's lots of different situations where we go into the classic grief stages and we immediately experience those feelings. And one of the pitfalls, I believe, for people is when they've been violated or they feel like somebody did them wrong, they harbor unforgiveness. And I think it's the worst thing that anybody can do because it's so liberating to offer forgiveness before anyone even asks. I think that is one of the most common reactions to being, uh, when when you switch it over here, to being violated or being wronged. Um, I want justice. Uh, I, I am a victim here. And, and you want to appear strong. You don't want to appear like right. the victim. So what is the strongest emotion that I can uh, put up? It's anger and uh, a real defensive anger. And, and that will cover my feelings of fear and my feelings of, uh, uh, you know, the, the trauma that has happened that, that I keep reliving. So I can put anger up here. Uh, but it sounds like... Uh, that that wasn't a tool that was helpful at all for you in the moment, and you found a tool that would seem weak, um, and that's letting someone off the hook. Um, but uh, so it sounds like we we need to get your book and read that part. I don't want to give away too much more. Um, and before we go too far, let us, where where can we find your book and, and find out more about you if if the listeners looking for this book they want to read. Okay, so I set up a website where people can get the book, and it's just basically my name.net. So that's heatherdurham.net. And if you need to fig- figure out how to spell Durham, some people misspell that, but it's D U R H A M. And so on that website, you can find out a little bit more about me. You can find out um, a little bit more about you know my journey. And you can also order the book. And we'll put uh, put that link in the show notes. I'll have you email that over to me. I think you already have, actually. And we'll we'll put that down there. So, uh, listener, if you're going through there, just scroll down to the show notes on your app uh, after you've clicked subscribe, of course, and uh, just click on that and head on over to her website and take a look at it. As we're coming to a close here, there's something I like to do just having you as our guest speak right to the listener um they've been listening this whole time they've they've walked through some of your story here they they're intrigued about your book um and some of the concepts that that have been helpful for you as you've 
made it a broad brush for people, not just loss of a child, but those that have been violated, wronged, um, some injustice has happened on, on any level, really. If there's something you'd like to leave with the listener as, as we're closing here, um, and speaking directly to them, from, from Heather, what would that be? Okay, I think I would say, you know, no matter what difficulty or tragedy you faced or are facing today, I want you to know that God's grace is sufficient for you. When you feel like you can't take another step, His power can give you the ability to be victorious, even in a situation that seems hopeless. And I know it's easy to say that God's power is sufficient. I We have proven it. But I think we also need to remember that we have to actively do our part with a positive response to our pain. And that's something that I talk about in the book, a positive response to our pain. Otherwise, we're going to just drown in a sea of despair and bitterness. So a few years ago, I was introduced to Kintsugi, it's a Japanese art of repairing broken pottery with seams of gold. And the new piece of pottery is even more valuable once it's been repaired. And I think my hope is that each of us will take the broken pieces of our lives and bring them to God and ask Him to heal our brokenness with seams of gold so we can be strong and beautiful in the places where we have been broken. And so we can be valuable in his service, a living testimony of his power and grace. And not in spite of our brokenness, but because of our brokenness. Wow. And and a great place to end. Uh, Heather, thank you for not only sharing your positive response to your pain, but also coming on this episode and, and ministering from your point of pain. Um, I know it's it can be easy to go back and revisit as you share, but uh, I know there's value that comes from it. So thank you so much for coming on Grace Story Podcast today. Thank you so much for having me, Nate. I've enjoyed it very much. And to you, the listener, thank you for joining us as well. Uh, we'll be back in two weeks with another episode, uh, that one with Dr. Tim Barber. Uh, that's one you're not going to want to miss. So uh, make sure you tune in for that one. Uh, Grace Story conferences are coming up. Head on over to gracestoryministries.com. There's all sorts of information over there that you're not going to want to miss out on. Subscribe over there so you don't miss out on deals and uh, things coming up. But sign up for women's conference. Sign up for men's conference. There's no us without you. Uh, So we'll need you there. Uh, And we'll be back in two weeks. And until then, we'll be praying for you.